you. Lord, I pray that my words would not be mine, but they would be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We were going to start with a video, but we're, we're not this morning. And are you guys hearing me okay? We need to turn my mic up just a little bit more. Or are we good? This, we're good. All right, maybe I'm just getting old and hard, hard of hearing, but it's here. Did you know that? You know what I'm talking about. It's here. You know what it is, right? Spring. That's right. Spring has sprung. And last week, I don't know about you, but I still have not caught up, gotten that extra hour of sleep yet. But spring is here. So I thought I'd wear something nice and cheery and springy. And you guys don't look like too, you're too happy and springy this morning. This is going to be a tough one. All right. All right. Well, anyway, spring is here. I'll do the dance. If I, anyway, and a lot of things happen during spring, don't they? Right? It's cool to hear the birds out in the morning again. You hear them? I like it. It's great. And the little animals are out again, hanging out because it's spring, right? And we can expect in just a couple of weeks, right, we'll see some flowers, right? Those, those flowers that show up every year. I don't know what they are, but they show up every year. You can tell me what they are. And it's a beautiful time of year, a time of renewal and refreshing and new life, right? Right. And, and, and it's such an exciting time of year as well because I know some guys probably got their boats ready. You guys get your boats ready to go, ready to fish. All right, almost, almost, right? And, and it's a good time of year to get back on a bike. You know, it, you know, walking around this church is great, but riding a bike is so much more fun out in God's creation, and I'm looking forward to that. Right, or it's walks outside, right, because... It's spring. And we were so spoiled earlier this week, weren't we? I know it snowed yesterday, but it was gorgeous this week, wasn't it? We can be thankful to God for that. God's teasing us, going, I know you live in Michigan. Nah, 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 nah. It'll be a little warm, right? But spring is here. And what spring means as well is there is something in about a week that all the teachers are so excited about, but the parents are not. The kids are excited. It's something called spring break. Yahoo! You guys are just, oh my goodness, all right. But there's a lot of students that are excited about that. And teachers, talk to my wife. She's going to be very excited by this Friday because she's a teacher as well. Spring break. Perhaps you're taking your family somewhere, right? Somewhere warm. <laughs> Good luck in going to Florida because it's not. <laughs> you could come here and it's warmer. All right. But you might be spending some time with family. And for those of you who have younger children or grandchildren, don't miss it, okay? You might have to work. Don't miss the opportunity to spend with your loved ones during spring break. I'm talking to myself as well. But what else is going on? You know that something else is going on during spring in the very same week during spring break. Thank you, Midland Public Schools. Holy Week happens. Yeah. And we get to just next Sunday, by the way, is what? Palm Sunday, right? And we'll celebrate again with our palm branches waving, celebrating Jesus riding into Jerusalem to be our king. It's an exciting time, isn't it? But we know also that later that week, Jesus would be betrayed by Judas on Monday, Thursday. And Good Friday, perhaps the greatest display of love, no, not perhaps, the greatest display of love happens as we remember Jesus' death on the cross and what he did for us. But as we all know, it doesn't end there. Jesus rises from the dead, and in about just two weeks, we'll all be here saying something like this. Christ is risen. He's... Oh, boy, you guys need practice. Christ is risen. He is risen Amen and hallelujah, huh? Hallelujah. That's right, brother. It's spring. 
It's an exciting time of year, but you know, one thing about spring isn't too exciting, and it's a thing called spring cleaning. How many of you love to clean? Oh, <laughs> oh right back there. All right, I love to clean. All right, spring cleaning. You know, I went and looked at my garage, and I went, oh, man, I have some spring cleaning to do. Anybody else got to clean up the garage? Perhaps it's the attic. Or, oh, yeah, the attic, yeah, the basement. I'll get it right. Yeah, I need some spring cleaning. Cleaning out those inner corners, they're not so fun, but something we want to do before the summer comes, right? Today we're going to do some spring cleaning. You ready? And spring cleaning, like I've said, sometimes isn't always fun. But it's an opportunity for us to see where we're at, to be refreshed by God's grace, and to move forward. All right, well, so we're going to do some spring cleaning, and today we're turning to Nehemiah chapter 13. Uh, they needed some spring clean. Well, they needed some cleaning out. Let's pull, call, it, call it that way. Nehemiah chapter 13. Uh, hello, Kurt. You know, people are getting... Do you mind? I'm sorry. I, um, you don't mind, do you? That's why right. You wouldn't be up here if you were. What are you doing? I've had a really busy week. Yep. I've got a couple more final touches to put up. Do final you? touches. It's during the middle of the church service, and you think you're going to finish this. He's, you know, he said, I'll ignore you. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead. Ignore me. All right. It's just Pastor Kurt. All right. Well, some final touches, okay? The children of Israel needed some final touches, some spring cleaning to happen, okay? God wanting to transform their lives, but them not always so willing. Well, let me set it up for you. We're going to be in Nehemiah 13 in just a while. Pastor Ed talked last week, I believe, about the grace of giving. Is that right? Pastor Ed, I wasn't here, by the way. You noticed. You didn't notice. Okay. And he talked about the joy of giving back to the Lord and being a part of that. What a blessing that it is. I think that's what you talked about at least. And this week, though, if we go a few chapters forward into chapter 12, we see the celebration. The wall, by the way, where you're at right now is 14 years later. Okay. The wall's been complete for 14 years. This is the setting Okay, and you remember they completed the wall, man, I'm walking all over the place today, in 52 days. An amazing feat to say the least. All right, and while Nehemiah was there, he was there for 12 years, by the way, a lot of reforms happened. Ezra the prophet, the people turned back to God, worshiping in his house, reading his word, giving their tithes, and doing all that God said in his word. It was an amazing time. But you know what they say, right? When the cat's away... Wait, the cat's away, the mice will play. I knew you knew this one. All right. Well, Nehemiah leaves. He didn't stay there forever. He goes back to being the cupbearer. You remember, he was the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, the guy who tastes all the wine to make sure it's good and not poison. So he goes back there to do his job, and he's only there two years. And you wouldn't believe what's going on. So that's where we are. Turn with me, if you haven't already, to Nehemiah chapter 13. That's a, Nehemiah needed to do a little bit of spring cleaning, okay? All right, chapter 13 says this. And by the way, it was just 14 years ago that the people had celebrated the building of the wall. They had a great procession on top of the wall, choirs singing, Nehemiah leading one way, Ezra leading the other way, the instruments, and they celebrated in the, in the church, in the temple. They brought their sacrifices to God, and it just took you two years for this to happen. Here we go. Nehemiah 13, follow along with me. I don't, oh, there's the page, 352. All right. On that day, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people. And there it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be admitted into the assembly of God. Because they had not met the Israelites, 
with food and water, but had hired Balaam to call a curse down on them. Our God will turn that curse into a blessing. And when the people heard this law, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. And by the way, that was God's command. And the part of the Bible that he was reading from, the book of the law, was the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, if you want to look it up later. And what he was reminding them of was a time way back when, when the Israelites were just released from their slavery in Egypt. And on their journey to the promised land, there was a group of people called the Ammonites and the Moabites who didn't give them any help along the way. No food, no water. In fact, they thought they were funny. They hired a prophet to curse the people. But God turned it into a blessing. God remembered that and said, don't hang out with those people because they'll turn you away from myself. So that's the setting. The book of the law is read. We've heard this before, right? And the people respond. They act. The people respond to the book of the law. But that's not what happened just prior to that. <laughs> Let's take a look to see what's happening just prior to that. A little spring cleaning needed to happen. Verse 4. Before this, Eliashib, the priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of God, the temple. Okay? He was closely associated with Tobiah. Tobiah? And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles and also the tithes of grain, new wine and oil prescribed for the Levites, singers and gatekeepers as well as the contribution of the priests. Can you believe what just happened there? You remember who Tobiah is? He's an enemy. When they're building the wall, Tobiah's there going, nah, 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 you can't build this wall. If you put a little fox on top of that wall, it would fall down and crumble. This is the guy who opposed him, and they brought an enemy. The priest does it, the pastor of all things. Let's an enemy right into the temple. And you know where he, get, he does, right? This says that he gives him an apartment in the church. Can you imagine giving somebody an apartment in the church? And he gets this room to store his stuff. And you know what room he used? It says the storehouse, something we talk about in Malachi, right? The place where the tithe is stored. The grain offerings are stored. Some guy goes in there, and he lives and he's the enemy, what's going on? We go a little bit further in our Bibles. Please continue to follow along with me as we take a journey here. Verse 6 says, But while all this, re all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem. Remember, Nehemiah is an autobiography, right? He says, I wasn't there when this happened, right? That cat's away, the mice are playing. And he goes on to say, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I asked his permission and came back to Jerusalem. So he goes back there, right? I, here I learned about the evil thing Elijah had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. And I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room, right? He threw his laundry and stuff all over the ground, right? He kicked them out. I gave orders to purify the rooms, fumigate it, right? sacrificially as well, sprinkle with the blood to purify. And then I put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incense. Nehemiah, just a little bit peeled, just a little bit angry. Let's say hot. That somebody would have the gall, first of all, a leader not following God's will, letting an enemy into the temple. And of all places, the place where the tithes are supposed to be kept, the tithes that are distributed then to the church workers, they use that room. Why? Let's read a little further. All right, so we keep on reading. Verse 10, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them. Okay. And that all the Levites and singers responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected 
And then I called them together and stationed them at their post. Verse 12, all Judah brought the tithes, the grain, new wine, and oil into the storerooms. I put Shelemiah the priest, Zach the scribe, and Levite named Padiah in charge of the storerooms. Made Hanan son of Sakur, the son of Madaniah, their assistant, because these men were considered trustworthy. They were made responsible for distributing the supplies to their brothers. The leaders of the church were not responsible to collect the tithe. Why could they use this room? Because the people weren't bringing anything anymore. It was empty. People weren't giving their offering. That's why the room was empty. And Nehemiah is out of his mind, angry. So he clears it, right? Spring cleaning to say the least. And gets them out of there. How could you do this? I'm sure were his words. And then he takes action, right? He puts the guys in charge, and the tithe is taken again. Now, if you guys think that's bad and crazy, like, what in the world are you doing? Read with me just a little bit further what happened while Nehemiah was gone. Verse 15, in those days I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with wine, grapes, figs, and all their kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath notice, okay? Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. Men from Tyre lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of God. They forgot the commandment, didn't they? You know it, right? The third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The people weren't supposed to be working. They were supposed to be worshiping. They disobeyed God. And that's not even it. No tithes, no worship. What else could go wrong? One more, verse 23, I believe. 23 says, Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke of the language of Ashdod or the language of none, none, one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair, their beard hair. Oh, that hurts. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? So they're intermarrying. A little bit different today, right? Maybe it's not. And what happened with Solomon was happening with the people. They started to worship the gods of their spouses. So you got the picture. Nehemiah's gone. Talk about broken. Yeah, the wall's up. Been up for 14 years. That's nice. People's lives falling apart. People not in worship on the Sabbath. People not giving of the gifts back to God. And then that not being in the Word, not being in worship, of course, of course affected their everyday lives, right? It affected them then that they didn't even probably know what God's command is. Or, matter of fact, maybe they just disobeyed God and went, you know what, I don't know it, so I'm good, right? Spring cleaning. Nehemiah did take some action. Reforms happen. Tithe happens. People back in church, right? And people not intermarrying any longer. question today, though, is directed towards us, for me and you. Where are we at? 
You know, Jesus did something similar to this. As I was reading this, maybe you thought this, right? On Holy Week, right, Jesus goes into the temple and there's tax collectors, there, there, there's people who are selling goods, right? And they've got the doves and all the animals. And what does Jesus say as he clears out the temple? You, this is a den of robbers here, what you're going on. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers, right? We'll jump forward to today. Paul calls our bodies what? In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple was the place where God dwelled, right? The temple was a place where God dwelled, and when Jesus went through, he cleared the temple out. Things were going wrong in there, some dishonesty. And it was supposed to be a place of prayer. Today, God resides for many of us in our hearts, doesn't he? Perhaps our hearts, though, need some spring cleaning. Maybe it's an action in your life that, boy, you've been continuing to do some sin. And the Bible exhorts us to do something different. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4. Paul exhorts us to do something different. And, and actually, a lot of things that come from the New Testament were spoken in the Old Testament a long, long time ago. But Philippians... Chapter 4, verse 8, says this. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, and for that matter, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. But whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. God directed the people of Israel to purify themselves. You notice the verse on your bulletin, it says, yeah, the priests purified it, right? They needed to get clean again, right? And then he assigned tasks to them and they acted. Here, Paul speaks about things that are of God. He, he speaks about those things that are noble and pure and admirable. And indeed, the Bible also says, be holy as I am holy. Holy meaning to set ourselves apart towards God and apart from our sin. Time to do some spring cleaning. I don't know what it is, brothers. Maybe it's watching stuff on the internet, pornography. I don't know what it is for any of us. Maybe it's, I don't know, gossiping about other people, thinking badly, not thinking good things about people first. Maybe it's not trusting God. Uh, whatever it is in your life. Perhaps God wants to clear that all out, clean it all out, so that those things of your life might be those noble and honorable and pure things. Time to do a little spring cleaning. What is it? in your life. You know, oftentimes, dear friends, uh, I think it's like this. You come to church, you hear a fairly good message, right? You hear something about, oh, I don't know, some guy who forgets to fill up his gas tank, right? Something like that. And not only does it once, but does it twice, and you learn a nice lesson, right, that you need to keep your tank filled up, right? And then the pastor challenges you, right, to, to read 15 minutes of Scripture a day. How many of you tried to take that challenge, by the way? By the way, if you haven't taken the challenge, I challenge you to be in the Word of God 
just 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes every day and in prayer, God will change your life. And the pastor speaks those words and he challenges you, but they don't go any further. They end up, oh, here and here, but oh, well. Similar to the children of Israel, right? They weren't in God's house. They weren't giving their offerings. And of course, if you don't hear the word of God, if you're not in the word of God, you can't act on the word of God, right? The sin of the Israelites, at least I see it this time, was not necessarily, well, there was, there was sin and great rebellion where the people went ahead and they disobeyed God and intermarried. But really what I see is what they didn't do, right? They didn't worship. They didn't give their tithes. They didn't put themselves in the word of God. Maybe that's ours, the things we aren't doing. Today, uh, a very important decision is going to be made. You know what that is, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The health care reform bill. And I don't ordinarily talk about politics. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked about it. But there's a reason that I have to bring it up to you today. Sometimes you have to stand up for those who can't speak for themselves. In that health reform bill is some unclear language about abortion. And in case you didn't know, since 1973, in the Roe v. Wade decision, over 50 million fetuses, no, children have been killed, okay? And in that piece of legislation, in the health care reform, some amendments of language have been taken out so that for the very first time, what might happen is your tax dollars might pay for abortions. Do you want that to happen? It might happen. Might happen and children will continue to die, and you will support it, unbeknownst to you. Sometimes, as a Christian, it can't stay in your heart and in your mind. It has to show up in our actions, and shame on us when it does not. We say, somebody else will take care of it. I've got my own brokenness that I have to take care of over here, right? And we might be putting things into our body, into our temple, like alcohol that we shouldn't drink, right? Like pornography into our brains. Things that we don't need that hurt us. I've got so many problems in myself, Pastor. How in the world can I care about somebody else. Sometimes God calls us to stand up and do the right thing, to pray. First of all, please pray today. Pray today that the right thing happens. I'm not against the health care reform, but I'm giving you an example. Maybe in your life, maybe it's children in Haiti, okay? Maybe it's abused children. Maybe it's your own home where we're not being intentional in having a better relationship with your spouse, a better relationship with your children. Whatever it is, it's the sin of not doing that God needs to clean out today as well, and we need to start fresh and new. You know, the amazing thing is that even despite all that, when we sin and we fall, and then we're broken, right, and we don't do the things that God asks us to do, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, that we would have the Word of God so precious to us that we wouldn't put it in our hearts and our minds so that we can resist temptations. Psalm 119.11 says, I hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And by the way, I know I mentioned this, that sometimes spring cleaning is a little bit tough, things you, it's hard to hear. And that's good sometimes. That God would still forgive us despite ourselves. 
But he doesn't want to leave us there, right? He wants to impact our lives so that the word of God is in our heart so that we can meditate on it, memorize it, and that not comes out of our mouth and into our actions in our lives. And we can sincerely call ourselves Christians by the way that we love one another. It's amazing that God still loves us and forgives us. There's a story about a little girl. It's kind of a cute story. Uh, and, and a little girl's about four years old. This is a true story. And when I think of four-year-old little girls, uh, I think of my daughter being four, big, rosy little cheeks. And I remember on Easter time, she had this blue dress with white polka dots, a little white ribbon in her hair. So when I think of little girls, this little girl, I think of that. This little girl's in the airport, right? And there's a man who wants to just get on his flight and be on his way in his business. And the little girl is over there. She's going like this. She's going... She's jumping up and down, jumping up and down, going, we're going to see daddy, we're going to see daddy, I'm going to see daddy. And this guy's losing his mind. You know, little girls are cute for a while, but when they keep on jumping up and down and up and down, <laughs> I remember my daughter, I'm four and four and four and four and four. She kept saying, we're going to see daddy, we're going to see daddy. Okay, she gets on the airplane, the guy gets on the airplane, and unbeknownst to him, the girl's like right there next to him. Oh my goodness. Right? And, 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 and you know that all of a sudden this little girl who doesn't need any more energy is given by the lovely steward uh, some Coca-Cola and cookies. <sighs> True story, right? And, and, and all of a sudden you imagine what happened, right? They're going to see daddy, you're going to see daddy, right? Now Coca-Cola and, and uh, cookies uh, separate smell pretty good. But shaked up in a little girl, not so good. All right, and I know you don't like that vision, but also, yeah, it's everywhere, right? This, oh, anyway, I don't like the smell. We won't go past that. So this guy's like, man, I can't wait to get off this plane. And now even, even bigger reason, right? All this smell and everything. Okay, well, finally they get off the plane, right? And the guy's just so happy, no longer this little girl. And you see this little girl run past the guy and past her mom. There's a guy in a white suit. Guess who it is? Daddy. Right, it's daddy, right? And she runs up to daddy and he hugs her and he kisses her and he doesn't notice any of that smell or vomit or anything. Grabs that little girl, loves that little girl. And she was so excited she got to see daddy. You know, our Heavenly Father loves us that much, right? And no matter what filth is in our lives that need to be spring cleaned out, how disgusting our sin, the things we've done in the past, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, on Good Friday, where Jesus' hands were pierced and his feet, and a crown of thorns just crushed on his head, and the Savior of the world died for you, in place of you, so that one day, yes, you can go see Daddy. Today, dear friends, I'm encouraging you with the very word of God to be renewed and start new. Put all those old sins behind you. Drop them at the feet of the cross. Receive that forgiveness and then to act. You know, God didn't just forgive us so that we could just be forgiven and be one with him. Yeah, he did that, right, so that we might have eternal life, but so that we could share that with somebody else, right? He's chosen each and every one of you specifically chosen you to be his child so that he can love you, so that you can have an amazing life, so that you can have eternal life. But it isn't just for you. There's a lot of people who have no idea. Their sin and their brokenness is all over them. 
They don't know that God wants to take that all away and forgive them and someday that they can go see Daddy too. I invite you this next week, here's little cards out there. I invite you and challenge you to invite others to meet their Savior Jesus so that one day they might have life, eternal life, in heaven too. And all God's people ready to do that say, Amen.